Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Nissan. It's time to start getting excited about the journey and not the destination with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinker.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Palmer, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin! What's going on this Tuesday, buddy? I've, I've missed you a lot. It's been uh, a week. Did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, I mean, turkey, what, what, what is the best turkey? The best turkey's average, right? Yeah, I think you're Is that fair right. to say? The best yep. turkey's average? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so, the, I mean, the the food was fine. The meal is not. It's about family, Kevin. Exactly. It's not about the food. And, 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 I, and, I, and I am currently still here in Massachusetts, spending the whole last you know ten days with my mom, which has been absolutely wonderful. Perfect. Um, and saw some friends over the last couple of days and everything, which is great. Um, surprise birthday party for one of my friends. There Shout you go. Out, we Dana, have got a strange. NBA season going on, Kevin. Chris is like, F your friend. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Glad he had a surprise birthday party. What are you, yeah, you have a good time, Chris? <laughs> what are you, six years old? <laughs> but, yeah, I had a good time. You have a good time? Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it was five six years old. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> we got a weird NBA season going on, Kevin. After last night, we now have 12 teams that are within a game of 500. And it's not just that you have so many teams that are kind of in the middle. It's it's feeling a little NFL-esque, honestly. Mm. And I know that once they ah. put in the salary cap and once some of the restrictions have been made, there has been more parity and they have made more moves um, rule-wise throughout the NBA to to encourage parity, right? To have more competitive teams. And then even with the flattening out of the lottery odds and other things that have been done, a play-in tournament that was added, you get even more incentive to be competitive. And what we've got now is a lot of teams in this middle tier that there's very little separation. As I mentioned, there's almost half the league that is within a game of 500 a quarter of the way through the season and just the results of some of these games the way these teams have gotten to these records is very 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 strange because you see a night like last night so you would think that you've got a lot of competitive teams which is leading to a lot of great games. And yet you have an average night like last night where there's nine games on and there's one that's like super competitive. And that's Minnesota and Indiana. And the rest of them are all by these big margins. 
And it's kind of strange to me that you've got, yes, record-wise, a tremendous amount of parody, and yet it seems to me, and I would have to go through all of the results, but it seems to me that there have been an extreme amount of large margin of victories that take place, i.e. not necessarily competitive games, that these teams have gotten to these records by big wins and big losses, and then it kind of evens out more so than all these teams, you never know who's going to win on any night. And we had nine games. We had one good one. That's impossible to me. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. I mean that this speaks to you know one of the topics we talked about a couple of weeks back, Chris. The three point shooting variance. Yeah. Uh, as more and more teams start shooting more and more three pointers, you're you're we're gonna just get more and more nights like this as the years develop. You know, I mean, I think like next year there could be even more variance. The year after that could be even more and more and more every single year. And um, I mean, ultimately though, I, I think it's not a bad thing to have so many teams that are in it. I, I think it's a good thing to have so many teams in it. I, I look at the league right now and and like I try to put myself in, the, in the, the shoes of fans for every team. Like Even if you're rooting for Houston, you're riding the three-game winning streak right now, you're having a good time, you're watching Christian Wood go off averaging 25 points per game, Like it feels like your team at least has a chance to be competitive. And whether that's because of three-point shooting variants or not, um, or like just hot, shooting, hot performances, Right now, I feel like it's a good time just to be a fan of of any team in the league. Um, and, and ultimately, though, like it it, it is kind of strange though how we have this kind of flatness throughout the league, Chris. But then up top, you have Golden State at eighteen and two, and Phoenix at seventeen and three, and they've sort of separated themselves from the pack through a quarter of the season. Um, yeah. So it's like we have these two juggernauts early on, but then everything else feels flat. And then you have like these real bottom feeders, and even those bottom feeders are having their moments too. But and and, and the weird thing is, I, I guess you can say kind of like the NFL because you did have just in November you had, I believe it was twenty four outright upsets. So teams that were the underdogs won the game outright, and some of those were just unbelievable, like that Jaguars-Bills game, some of the odd, uh, the the Denver-Dallas game, some of the odd ones. But I do feel like we are seeing that in the NBA. You you see these 15 and 20-point margins seemingly regularly. Um, And you're flipping around last night, and I know we're on a group text together, but the entire group text had flipped over to Indiana versus Minnesota because it was the only game coming down to the wire. And we had nine games that were going on last night. And that just doesn't feel, last night didn't feel like an outlier. It feels like when I'm flipping around on League Pass that there might be one or two of these games going down to the end. And then margin of victory, um, there's not that many that feel like they're the game-winning shots or uh, game-winning plays, something that really came down to the very end. I wish I looked this up in advance. I mean, yep. I'd be curious to see, I and mean, if anybody's able to find the number quite easily, like w- what's the amount of games, what percentage of games in the final two minutes are within a point or something like that, or, or how many games have had a game-winning opportunity? How many buzzer, do you remember? You know? I mean, I know your memory's not good, but mine, <laughs> mine is. I'm serious. <laughs> How it's many? Not, like, it's not great. That's a factual statement. How many of those like big like game winner moments do you remember from this year so far? It's very yeah, few and far not, between. Not there was the, there was the unbelievable Luca one. I remember earlier this year, right? That walk off that he had. I mean, there's been some daggers that have been hit at the end of games, but teams had an opportunity going the other way. But it just doesn't seem like to me, that a lot of these games are coming down to last shots, even. Um, And it does feel like you get this wide variance in performance, that some of these teams, you catch them on one night, and you may see them winning by 20. You catch them another night, you may see them losing by 20. Yeah, and I think, you know, Early in the season here, Chris, I mean, you mentioned that Minnesota-Indiana game. Some of these teams are trying to figure themselves out, too. And well, and like, you mentioned so, Chris, you mentioned Houston. I mean, it took them 20 games to figure out not to put Christian Wood next to another big guy. Yeah, you know? Christian Wood's been awesome. 
He's well, that's because they got rid of Tice in the starting lineup. You know, they finally said, all right, now get, get somebody out of the way for the guy. And all of a sudden, he's been fantastic. Now they're going to get Shengun more minutes. Well, they, they, had, they had him out there last night. Him and Poku were both out on the court. It, Same it, time. It'll be interesting to see what Houston does. I, I reported yesterday on the ringer that uh, executives around the league uh, fully expect there to be a lot of interest for Christian Woods in the second year of his th- uh, three-year contract right now. Christian Woods still a young guy. Houston could very well keep him. But, I mean, watching him play, Chris, last season, this season, with some of the great games that he's had, he could offer a lot to a lot of different Oh, teams. he's fantastic. Yeah. he. I, yes, I would love to see him on a good team. I mean, even Daniel Tice, if you need a backup center, I mean, you could do worse than Daniel Tice if you need a five coming off your bench. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, that's one of those guys where it's like you can can write off as uh, great numbers, bad team, because, of course, he did it in Detroit, and now he's having to do it in Houston, which are two of the worst teams in these respective years. But you see that guy in person, and you immediately recognize that this is not somebody just doing it on a bad team. This guy would be able to do it. No matter, he's sure. he's yeah. fantastic. He yeah, really and, and I mean the funny the funny thing is with him is you know he last off season uh, I wrote a thing saying like he's like the you know, underrated you know free agent that people should be going after, and I think his market was a little bit less than a lot of people expected. So he goes to Houston with the expectation of playing with James Harden. Yep. And like a three-year deal with Harden, you hope that that works out there, and then you raise your value to the point that maybe you're, you know, a twenty-plus million-dollar player at when you enter free agency again in 2023. That didn't happen. Right. I mean, Harden's gone within weeks, and now he's got this weird team where John Wall is having his whole situation where he wants to come back after you know the team originally was going to have have him sit out the entire season and. Now with Christian Wood, I think for Houston, a lot of Rockets fans, you know, from my report yesterday, they responded like, we, we'd rather keep Christian Wood. And I think that's fair. He's 26 years old. Like, it would make sense to keep him. But also, with only one more year of remaining on his contract, though, there's no guarantee that he would stay with the Rockets for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. if that's not the best situation for him. So I think for Houston as a team in their current situation, they have to think about is, even though this guy's only 26, could we get a lot more for him than we might when we could risk losing him for nothing in 2023? Because he's a damn good player. It'd be and really be funny. Even better, if, he, even better with a point guard who can get him the ball. It'd be really funny if they traded him right when John Wall comes back. Oh, that, <laughs> you know, that would be, look, that would I, be hilarious. I ranted, that, that's like a full-on I tank know. move, Chris. <laughs> I, I, I ranted and raved about that situation you know, two weeks ago. And just seeing the news that's come out over the last couple of days, it's just... It's unbel- it truly unbelievable to me, Kevin. It really is. Like, what kind of great minds got together and finally realized if he doesn't play basketball, he might not play basketball again. No, nobody is trading for that. The only chance you have in hell of anybody taking on that contract, even in its last year, as a dump-off buyout type situation is if he is a player. I mean, it's just, otherwise it's just dead money sitting around and you have literally no value. You might be able to, if you played and proved I can contribute to a basketball team, and then you're talking about two more years this year and next year, you know, the best, the the apex of what John Wall could possibly be, in my opinion, is the trajectory of another former John Calipari point guard who was crazy dynamic, all NBA level performer, devastating amount of injuries, and now has found a niche as an outstanding backup point guard in the league, and that is Derrick Rose. And if you're John Wall, that's the, that, I think that's the best you could hope for, you know, is that this guy is able to come off the bench and and be a guy that can flip games for you, Get, be a guy that can really play, you know, a guy that can, you know, improve his shot. And yes, he's not what he used to be, but 
bringing him off his bench is a lot better than a lot of guys that other teams are bringing off their bench. And and that's kind of how you were would be able Chris, to extend a career. That was the reporting over the past week. He wants to come back and be a starter. They want him to come oh, off the Houston, bench. Oh, for Houston, he doesn't know. I know, but like, do you think he should just come off the bench right now? Swallow your pride, come off the bench, and then maybe you, you no. work towards a situation where there's a, a fair buyout or no. even a potentially a trade. No? Not, I do not think he should come why? off the bench for Houston. They don't why? even have a point guard. That's ridiculous. What are we doing here? Come off the bench? Like, he should play for Houston. He should come off the it's bench your, for, like, you're, the you're Warriors. Me John Wall should start over Garrison Matthews? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> like, I mean, if I'm going to is, is is play, like, I'm not, is, I'm, I'm not coming off the joke? bench. <laughs> like, Garrison it, Matthews, is, what are we doing? Is there is there anything more that says we're trying to lose games than, hey, we want Garrison Matthews to start over you? <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's more humiliating than being in street clothes to me. <laughs> I'll be like, all right, I'm just gonna stay. I'll in tell my you clothes. what, though, Chris. I, I think as silly as that might be, he should just come off the bench. Just come off the bench. Whatever. He. T- I mean, he, look. I think he he's been on the bench the whole year. He just hadn't been in a uniform. Yeah, well, come off the bench in uniform. Yeah. Just come off the bench. It's okay. You probably really yeah, get the yeah, most what out matters of it. Is, what matters is finishing games. Yeah, well, I'd imagine his, matters. his mentorship would just be outstanding for that young group with coming off the bench. It's just a, it's a, it's a mess. What, what a I mean, mess of a situation. It really is. I look forward to seeing how that resolves. I do. Let's get back to that one competitive game last night because it is worth mentioning. The Minnesota... The team that won their competitive game last night against Indiana, rolling, rolling. they've won seven and eight, seven of eight. Rolling. They're so not far. dead, Chris. They're not dead. They are not dead at all. And in fact, have won seven of eight games. Um, now, we said that, like, hey, their schedule is about to get a little tougher when we when we talked about their streak early in it, and they beat the Miami Heat in that game that we had talked about that was going to be coming up. Um, went on the road and dropped one. But, I mean, I mean, winners of seven of eight games uh, after starting off the season extremely slow. And in the second half, like once they brought in their new coach last year, things did turn up. Things started looking better, and they looked like a much better basketball team as the season came to a close. Um, and now this year got off to a slow start, but they are they're certainly a game team and they've got some talent. They got at least three guys that can go for 30 points on a given night with Russell Towns and Edwards. A uh, couple of them that can go for 40. And then you could even have the weird, you know, Malik Beasley get you 30 off the bench one night type of game. I mean, they do have some. They, in in a, in a league where there is variance in the scoring, they've got some guys that can put the ball in the basket. And Edwards is, boy, he is a fun watch, Kevin. He really is. He is. You see him. I saw him in person earlier this year, and he is a house. I mean, it's like a. It, it's like it's like when you see LeBron and you realize how huge he is. To be as quick and as explosive as Edwards is at his size is truly a marvel. There's not many guys like him in the league. It, it's 99th percentile yeah. type of stuff. It you is. Know? It, it really is. Like Regardless of the sport, this guy's a 99th percentile athlete. And, and I think with him, you know, he, like he's so young and, and he needs to work out. Sometimes he holds the ball too long. Sometimes the offense really stutters, you know, in those fourth quarters. But like the flashes you see, his ability just to go from zero to 60 so quickly. There was a drive he had in the fourth quarter where he just crossed over left to right and went from, you know, looking like he was just getting into the offense to suddenly he's at the rim dunking it over the entire Pacers defense in like half a second. And he's just, he accelerates so quickly, so powerful at the rim. Um, I, I think with this guy, like I said, got to work through some of the stuff a lot of young guys do. Got to improve as a playmaker. But that stuff can happen over the course of time. And I like the fact that, you know, we, we've seen, uh, like, this is kind of an X-factor thing here, Chris, but 
I like the fact that he's got that swagger and personality because when you think about the Wolves, they need, you know, a leader. We've talked about this, I think, last season, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, he has said he wants to grow into a leader. He's funny. Seems like teammates really like to play with him. If he can grow into that, that that's what Cat needs. That's what D'Lo needs because those guys in their own respective ways can play their roles. You know, Cat can get buckets for you. He's one of the best shooters in basketball. He can score. D'Lo, we're seeing that basketball IQ really pop up these last couple of weeks. I mean, that dude can pass it. He can facilitate in the half court for you. But what they need is that scoring presence, that leader, that X factor. And that's what Edwards can grow into becoming. Um, the athleticism, that's already there. It's just about everything else. Yeah, a couple notes on the Wolves. Russell is one of 19 players who's, a, who's attempted at least 200 clutch shots over the last four seasons. And he has the best clutch effective field goal percentage amongst the 19 guys. And also... What? That's surprising, isn't it? I know. And then a crazy note... Ice in his veins. And this was uh, John Schumann's in his power rank. He said, an abductor injury to Patrick Beverly temporarily disbanded what had been the league's best starting lineup. Now, imagine this. Imagine if I would have asked people, what do you think the best starting lineup in the league is? Like, how is it not somebody for the Suns or for the Warriors or for Brooklyn or some of these things? But in fact, now it's only 92 minutes. But the league's best starting lineup was in Minnesota, plus 48.3 points per 100 possessions in 92 minutes. I mean, that is two full games almost worth of minutes playing together as a starting lineup, plus 48. What in the world? And and that's their lineup with Beverly and Vanderbilt alongside D'Lo, Cat, and Edwards. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Plus 48? That is incredible. And just just to give the others that are in the top five minimum of 50 minutes, it's Atlanta with their starting five, Capella, Collins, Trey, Bogdanovich, Herter, Milwaukee with Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Portis, Grayson Allen, then Chicago, DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, Ball, Bradley. And then the fifth one is the Knicks with their bench unit, Rose, Gibson, Burks, topping quickly, which has now changed because of the Kemba Walker situation, which we'll talk about later. But, I mean, the, the Minnesota one, some of those others, I don't think you'd be necessarily surprised to see the Bucks there, the Bulls there, the Knicks bench unit people have talked about for quite some time now. But it is surprising the Wolves are that high up. But it really does speak to how great they've been when Beverly and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, by the way, isn't Jared Vanderbilt such a fun player to watch? Yes. He's great, dude. I mean, he didn't he didn't play in last night's game. A lot of energy, sick. though. Yeah. A lot of energy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love to watch that dude play. I do. Like, going back to Kentucky, he's one of the better rebounders on a permanent basis you'll ever watch. His, he he got, you a, know, he, he, he got, such he, a nose for the ball. Yeah, and he's one of those like guys that can easily become a fan favorite. Kind of Bobby, oh, no Bobby Portis-y. You know what I mean? In the he's sense just of constant energy. Const- yeah, it's like this guy. Like he's always he feels like he's in the mix all the time, doing something. He loves to play defense. Like there's some guys yeah. who, who love the score. They like the, you know, get three point shots off at the end of the shot clock. Jared Vanderbilt's like, nah, man. I like to box out. Yeah. I like to dive for a loose ball. That's what he likes to do. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I love watching him play. And I'm so glad that he's actually carved out a role in the NBA because it was it was questionable sure. out of college because he doesn't really have a jump shot necessarily, but he's found a lane as that guy doing all the dirty work we're talking about, but he can pass too. He can handle the ball as well. Like He's not just some zero on offense. He can do some stuff with the ball, especially in the open court. Uh, I, lo- I love Vanderbilt. I can't wait to watch him play again. I missed watching him last night, um, even though that was a great game. The other thing that is worth mentioning uh, that took place last night was this insane Jonas Valanciunas game that took place for the Pelicans last night. Um, The quote after the game uh, from Willie Green was, the guys were calling him Dirk Valanciunas. (laughs) Seven for seven from three in the first half. Finished with a career-high 39 points. Um just, I mean, look, you know I've covered Valanciunas the last couple of years. This was absolutely astonishing. Um, 
it was not that long ago, Jonas Valanciunas wasn't shooting threes at all. And so for the guy to bury seven of seven uh, in that first half last night was truly incredible. And he had, I mean, he had historical marks all across the board with his performance last night. You had, um, you know, like all, all these all these names that were coming up. It was like Steph Curry, <laughs> like it's all these like great shooters and their names that were coming up in reference to what Jonas Valanciunas was doing last night. And you know they have they've had honestly a very very difficult schedule to start the season. Now, of course, they have not been good this season, but the. It, in fairness to them, they have had a very difficult schedule. They say the Zion Williamson is cleared to uh, participate in more activities. And so not only help, but possibly huge help could be on the way uh, for them. They've clearly really put themselves behind the eight ball. But uh, Jonas Valtunas, honestly, one of my favorite guys that I've covered. He's averaging, I think, uh, 18, 12 2.4 assists, making a three-pointer a game on 46%. And as we mentioned last night, seven for seven, uh, and then ended up seven for eight. So he had he was 88% from three-point range last night. And according to ESPN Stats and Info, Valentunas, first player to go seven for seven on threes in the first half. Since Trevor Ariza did it in 2014, and how about these names? The other players to go seven for seven from three and a half since 1996-97, Trevor Ariza, Steph Curry, Ben Gordon, Sean Williams, and Rafe LaFrance. Ooh, Rafe LaFrance. That's the most impossible Uh, trivia question ever. No kidding, yeah. If you were going to name off, all right. Who do you think has gone seven for seven from three and a half? No chance. I mean, it's impossible. And the only guys that have had 35 points, 10 rebounds, and knocked down seven three-pointers in a game this year, Steph Curry and Jonas Valanciunas, of course. Remarkable. I mean, Chris, we argued about it during the offseason. I said he could shoot more threes. You're like, ah, he's not a shooter. And so did everybody else. He's a... He's Steph Curry. He's in the company with Steph Curry just now. How about that? <laughs> I told you so. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, nobody could have seen this coming. Yeah. <laughs> nobody could have seen this David coming. David Griffin. But you, David Griffin. Yeah, I, David I, I told Griffin, you yeah. he'd stretch the floor. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what, Chris. With New Orleans, we're talking about how at the top of the show, how flat the league is right now. New Orleans right now, they're still five games back from Portland for the 10 spot in the play-in. Still five games. That's a lot. You get OKC ahead of you, San Antonio ahead of you, Sacramento ahead of you. You're in 14th in the West, but you're still only five games back. That's not like impossible to come back from. It's really not. It's not. And, no, and it's, so a, it's think, a good you know, week. You could have like a, a an eight and two stretch, and you're like right there. Yeah, but and and we're seeing some of the potential. If Zion's back, you have a center in Valanciunas who can space the floor for you. Ingram's had some spectacular nights. Herb Jones is just, I mean, like we talked about with Jared Vanderbilt, Herb Jones, same feelings there. Herb Jones just loves to play defense. He loves to get stops. That dude's awesome on that end of the floor. And he can pass. He's hitting spot up threes for you. Josh Hart last night, like you look at the box score, you're like, oh, four points, one for nine. But that dude is everywhere, everywhere. With his defense, with his rebounding, playmaking, they have some guys on that team where if you plug in, you know, a top 10, 15, 20 guy in Zion Williamson, they could start racking up some wins. They could. So I don't think you can bury this team. And I think this speaks to just where the league is right now. You can't bury a, a many teams at all right now when it comes to getting into the play-in. You can bury them when it comes to finals contention, when it right. comes to going deep in the playoffs. But getting into the play-in, and being competitive, I'm I'm not really I don't feel good about burying many teams out there right now. But for New Orleans though, like the the longer Zion's out, of course, the wider that deficit is going to get for them. So well, getting him back sooner than later is what's going to give them an opportunity to actually get in and actually be a team that's going to be in it. We talked about how there's very little separation between so many of the teams that are hovering around. 
500 and that seedings can change dramatically over the course of even a week. But that is not so with two teams that have absolutely separated themselves, and that is Golden State and Phoenix. Golden State. Can't, Can't wait till tonight, baby. Yeah, they're playing against each other tonight, and I believe they play again uh, within a week's time. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, those teams have just been out of control great, and over the last 15 games, the Warriors, the story of the Warriors this year in many ways has been the same story that they had in their glory years when they were winning titles, which is they murder people in the third quarters of games. They are winning. They're outscoring their opponents by 35 points per 100 possessions in third quarters. Kevin, that is just, I mean, to do it over the course of 15 games, because you know everybody's going into halftime going, all right, guys, this is when they've been kicking everybody's ass. (laughs) <laughs> and they still come out and kick their ass. I read this article a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who wrote it, so forgive me. But it was about how Steve Kerr had gone to Steph Curry, and he kind of, his whole career there has had a way in which he's been subbed, like the, the first six minutes of this, last six minutes of that, and that they changed that in order to get him on the court uh, at end-of-quarter situations because he's so devastating at those that he's been, you know, those last two minutes of quarters, he can really just flip the game completely and either if they're behind, get them the lead or get them in a much more competitive spot. And if they are winning, just bury the other team completely. And they have just buried teams in third quarters this year. It's truly astonishing. They're, Third quarter differential is plus 29 per 100 possessions, which is almost double the differential for any other team in any other quarter. Indiana, their first quarters are a plus 15 differential. They've been an outstanding first quarter team. But plus 29? That's how good. It's not just like, Wow, they've been really good in the third quarter. They've been twice as good as any team has in any quarter. And to do it every night when another team knows this is when they are (laughs) killing people is just, that's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they don't even have Clay Thompson back yet. (laughs) They are. I Uh, I can't can't get over one of these two teams playing tonight is riding a 16-game winning streak, and yet they're still in second place. That, right. that, that's remarkable. It really speaks to how excellent Golden State has, has also been. Um, this team, Chris, both of these teams, Phoenix and Golden State, I, I feel like what you're talking about with those rotation sub-patterns, that, that speaks to why these teams are continuing to get even better and better and better because they're experimenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like that. I, 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 the quote from Steve Kerr, um, he said it on 95-7 the game uh, in the Bay Area a couple weeks ago. He said, we're, t- we're going to take Steph out in the middle of every quarter for a few minutes. He's always liked to play the first and the third, then sit out the first six minutes of the second and fourth. That's what we've done for years. We asked him to think about changing that this year, and of course, Steph is always open to anything. So accommodating him as a player, even though it probably took him out of his rhythm his first few games, he's gotten used to it. That speaks to really the greatness of Steph and Curry, right? He is open to adding a, a, a co-megastar and Kevin Durant when that opportunity comes. Some guys would be like, no. I want to keep winning MVPs. I want to keep being the guy. He's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to play off ball, set screens, do all the dirty work that a lot of guys aren't willing to do. He's willing to change his rotation sub patterns when for years he's been at the highest level possible doing what he's done for so long. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll try something new. He's a guy always willing to change and experiment in order to adapt and continue getting better and better and better. And I, I think that's representative of his game. It's representative of the Warriors and also the Suns in a way too, right? Like DeAndre Ayton's the number one pick. He could be angry and disappointed that he's not shooting 15, 16, 17 times per game like other number one picks typically do. 
but instead he's accepting and embracing a role as a guy who's playing hard on defense, who's setting hard screens, rolling to the rim, and sometimes not getting touches, all in the name of winning. And that's what both Golden State and Phoenix represent to me, is sacrifice, togetherness, playing really for the greater good uh, as, as a team, as a collective. And so uh, I'm excited to watch these teams tonight. I think they're both legit. And they play again Friday, as you said earlier. Uh, These are two must-watch games. They have been astonishing so far this season, but I do want to couch it just a little bit. As I mentioned earlier in the show, New Orleans has played the hardest schedule in the league. The three hardest schedules in the league have been New Orleans, Cleveland, and Houston. Now, I think it speaks well, what to is, can I ask what what does hardest schedule mean? Like how is that measured a quarter? It's of based the on it's based on opponent record and adjusted for home and away and yeah, days but of if rest. You suck, if you suck, your opponent's records are naturally going to be better because it's such a small sample, right? Well, like if you're but, Houston, if you've and you've you played 25 games and you've won only three of them, <laughs> I mean, naturally your opponents are gonna like have a, a much better record. And there, you know, and therefore make it look like you have a harder schedule. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? No, no, because no? you could easily play Minnesota, who is 500, or you could play against Golden State, who's 18 and three. And so it is weighted towards the teams that have the better records. If you play somebody better, it's their record when you know. It feels like a coincidence that you're telling me these two teams at the bottom of the barrel of the league—they have the hardest schedule so far. Well, they do. New Orleans, Cleveland, and Houston. The easiest schedule so far, Utah, Phoenix, and Golden State. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe these teams are just better. Okay, roll up Golden State or Phoenix's record. Pick either one of them. Pick either one either one of those teams. Uh, and then Golden go look State? at their schedule. Okay, fine. Now go look at their schedule. All right, they beat the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. The Lakers think the Clippers are 500. The- they beat the Kings. They beat OKC. They okay. lost to Memphis. They beat OKC, OKC again. They beat Charlotte. They beat New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago. Lost <laughs> to Charlotte. They they beat Brooklyn, so Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto, Ch- Philly, Portland, Clippers again. Okay, so Chicago and Brooklyn. Is that, was that is that an easy schedule? Yes, right? it's an easy schedule. Chicago and Brooklyn know. are the only two teams you mentioned that are good. Like I don't legitimately know, but we're good. A lot, but we're talking about there's a lot of good teams this year. No, we said there's a lot of average teams this year it's competitive sure right but those teams are all within a game of 500 i don't know i i guess maybe i'm i'm overthinking it but i've I've just never been the type that looks at strength and schedule so far i i I like i like middle of the season end of the season when it comes to playoff races when nearly all the games have been played and you know who everybody is and like, then you look at remaining strength of schedule. That to me is like more valuable than you know, I don't quarter think so of the season. because I told you whatever it was two weeks ago. I told you when the Clippers were like the four seed and they were like whatever ten and two or whatever the hell their record was that they had had the easiest schedule in the league at the time. And it's about and they had played a home heavy schedule and they had played they had three wins over Minnesota. They had a win over OKC, and so their schedule had broke so that their record was really good at that time. And as you have seen, that has evened out in a more dramatic way than I would have even expected. Uh, I mean, I, I think Clippers. that's what I'm getting at. Is like if, if on November 14th or whatever, whatever, whatever it was that they were like 8-4, and 9-4, whatever it was, if at the time you looked at strength of schedule so far, mm-hmm. that would have influenced teams that have played the Clippers. You, like you get one because the sample is so small is what I'm saying. Or I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't find much value in it we're probably talking about this for too long Strength yeah i mean i don't understand how you're an analytics guy how can you not understand playing good teams versus playing crappy yeah, teams? I, just, I just think the sample's so <laughs> like, small that it's i i'm just saying i think the sample's so small we played a fourth of the season that relevant yeah it's still small <laughs> okay uh, their their schedules both it of is, their Chris. schedules like you can have you like Val, you mentioned valentunas like earlier he's shooting 40 46 percent from three he's actually shooting 51 percent from three because he oh, had one great night. shooting night like what I'm saying is he goes from 18 points per game to 19 points per game. Like the 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 sample sizes are still so, so small that one huge night or one horrible night can dramatically change your numbers with lineup data, with points per game, with strength of schedule. It's still so early on that some of that stuff it's like, eh, you know. All I'm we'll saying is their schedules out. are yeah. both going to get a lot more difficult starting tonight as they play against each other. 
We got a bunch of quick hits to get to. Tibbs is done with Kemba Walker. Boy, the Kemba back in the garden thing did not work out, Kev. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, his, knees, his knees are done. That's why. Yeah. And I wonder if, I wonder what his plight's going to be. Do you think that we will see him move? I guess, what has he got left on this deal? You know, because they got him, they got him in the offseason uh, to go there. The, the Boston thing did not go extremely well by any means. And now he, he's got a uh, one more year left on the deal. He's making 8.7 million this season, then 9.2 next year. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's not crazy to pay a backup point guard, 9 million bucks. No, not at all. Not do, at all. I mean, think it's he goes a little... and becomes a backup somewhere. Would somebody trade for Kemba Walker to be a backup heater? I mean, I, I'm a little bit surprised or not. Plugging him in, in that, plug, plugging him into that role, but that's, I mean, I guess you have Derrick Rose, Rose, so yeah. can you play a Rose Walker backcourt off the bench? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still think Kemba, you know, despite his knees are done, like I said, he's never going to be a guy who is what he was in Charlotte. This is not going to happen ever again, which is sad to say, but with Kemba, he, I still think he can be a heater off the bench, as you're suggesting, Chris. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, why so not? Especially, I, especially I don't his think it's, contracts. Yeah, at, at nine million bucks, you you actually have some value, possibly to somebody else, and I'd imagine he'll want to go play somewhere else. And so I could see that, and I could see him actually having an impact for somebody on a you know where you bring him in off your bench, and that's just kind of what he's going to have to. Uh, that's 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 what he's going to have to decide this like the trajectory of his career. Right. Like we're to that point now where you could extend your career and be a, you know, valuable asset coming off the bench on a couple of nights, you know, and he gets you 27 on some weird night that he comes in and, and catches a heater. Um, they just, you know, it's a Tibbs team and they went and got Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and you're going to put him like surprise, surprise. You can't, you can't stop the ball and then you're, scrambling around that their defense was terrible and yet their that 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 bench unit that they have has been fantastic and it's just i guess on the surface i was like man just going from Alfred Payton to 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 Kemba Walker will have a they'll have an effect you know maybe maybe some of these guys don't have to take as hard a shots uh you know uh especially Randall, who was an All NBA level performer last year, uh, but that just has Randall's got to be better, man. What, no, the one that look He's Randall be better. for sure has to be better. The massive disappointment has been RJ, RJ Barrett too. Both. Oh of them. my R- goodness, R- uh, RJ Barrett. Look yeah. at his numbers. Oh. Yeah, I mean, R.J. Barrett, I'll share those numbers right now. Um, 14.6 points per game, down from 17.6 last season. The efficiency drop-off is what's so worrisome, though. He's yes. 40% from three last season, down to 32% so far this year. And again, small sample size. You know, if he hits five more three-pointers, suddenly he's shooting a significantly higher percentage. Um, but the efficiency has not been there from two-point range. There seems to be like a lack of comfortability on the floor right now with him on the offensive end. His defense has been good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's fair to say there, but with RJ, the offense does need to progress forward. I still think it's Julius Randle, though, Chris. I mean, like, RJ's been a disappointment, but he's still only 21 years old. We see, you know, these ups and downs with young guys all the time throughout sports. Like, it happens with young guys. Julius Randle is 27 years old. He made an all-NBA team last season. Then he gets paid this huge contract. And I'm not saying that has to do with him declining here. But I think with him, the fact is, is that he's fallen into some of these old habits. In his first year in New York, Knicks fans hated seeing him on the court because of his lazy defense. Because he was ball-stopping on offense. That's back. It's back in a bad way for him. So with the defensive aspect, how much of it is, I got paid. I'm not going to try as hard. I hope it's not that. How much of it is I got smoked in the playoffs last year. I need to pace myself. And if it's that, I understand. I totally understand. Because I think with him, though, regardless of whatever the factors are here, he's got to be better on defense. It can't be these short bursts where he's playing hard and he's defending, moving laterally and hustling and doing all the stuff we saw from him all of last season, all of last season. Julius Randle's improved. Look, dude, before the season, Chris, I pitched a story to my editor, Justin. I was like, let's do something on 
how Julius Randle became the defender that he has. How did he become this versatile, switchable piece that's locking down people across positions? And, and Justin rightfully was like, let's, let's hold on that and see how the season goes before we pursue it. And he's been a negative on that end of the floor. He's been a negative. So I don't know, you know what the factors are that go into it, but he needs to fix it because for this Knicks team, for them to reach expectations during the regular season, he's got to be the guy we saw last year. And if he doesn't, I'm just worried he's a one-hit wonder. Well, I, I mean, worry I about that. And I don't think it's just all Randall, though. I mean, their whole team. It's has not been... all Randall, but he. But a lot of it. Uh, that you, effort is in your control, though, Chris. Yeah, they're starting you can control your effort. Atrocious. I mean, that was a defense that was a top ten defense and was on a string last year, and this year they made personnel changes, and it's just. It's been atrocious, and that's why they're pulling the plug. They're pulling the plug on what they were rolling with because it's just it, it, Tibbs will have an aneurysm if he has to watch this anymore in terms of them not being able to, uh, you know. And it, it switched their last four wins. Um, they have been back to playing really good defense, and we'll see. We'll see if it, you know, Tibbs teams have typically been outstanding defensive teams. I think that. Partly, if you want to blame Randall, fine, that's fair. But personnel-wise, the personnel moves they made made them a much worse defensive team. And they have to be good defensively. It's all of it, Chris. It's not just one thing, for sure. I mean, it's the fact that you go from, uh, you know, Bullock and Peyton to having Fournier and Kemba Walker in the starting five. That's part of it, too. You're not getting stops on the perimeter as much. There's more penetration inside. That's putting more responsibility on Randall and Robinson to help inside and to stop all these guys who are getting into the paint. Whereas last season, maybe you're no. making it harder on guys and in the perimeter. But, crazy. I, I, but But like I said, though, Chris, effort is in your control. The effort and the energy has not been there from Julius Randall in the way that it was last season. It's more like it was the rest of his career. The three-point shooting is more like it was the rest of his career. Mm. The ball stopping is more like it was the rest of his career. Yep. And so he needs to get back to becoming the all-NBA guy he was last season or else this Knicks team is going to continue to underwhelm. We have had terrible uh, injury run here. Um, lost a rookie. Now, we've just gotten Mobley back in the lineup for Cleveland, but now we've lost Suggs, who mm. it had been Sucks. really, really, really difficult start to his season in Orlando anyway, and now breaks his thumb. So this will be an extended amount of time that he's out. And, you know, you just like for a guy. At least they have Franz Wagner, though. Yeah, they they do have have Franz Wagner. Wagner last night was extraordinary. He had 27, didn't they? I think Mm -hmm. I saw 27. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 They got beat by 100. They got beat by 100, but he did have 27. Your guy Mo Bamba had like (laughs) 1,000 rebounds. Mo Bamba, he, man. I'm telling you. I think he did. I think, I think he had like 17 rebounds or something yeah, yeah, like that. He had 17 last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I hate I, it. I, I mean, I'll tell you what. This Orlando team, uh, they, they, get, they, get, they get some good stuff there. Jackson Frank, uh, good good writer uh, covering the NBA, had an article on Orlando yesterday. I thought that was pretty good outlining their improvements that they've seen from Bamba, Wendell Carter, and Wagner just being the guy he's been as a rookie. There, there's a lot of promising talent hey, on the Magic, even even though they stink. You and me both <laughs> have our Wendell Carter stock still. How about him banging threes? He looks yeah. good shooting it. 0 for 6 last night. Well, just one game. not last but, night. But, but one, one, one game, though. But still, yeah, he's looking good shooting threes. Remember, remember when Boylan wasn't letting him shoot threes in Chicago? Boylan. Yeah, Jim Boylan. That is, boy, talk about a... An era that is forgettable. Not, no, no, none of the players like the guy, and they stunk. That's not. It's about as. It's about as bad as it gets. <laughs> Remember, the, that's the guy that did the time cards, right? He was like making them clock in, like they had like a, like, like they yeah, were like yeah. they were working in a factory. Yeah, like, he's like tracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like su- suicide sprints like, and whatnot. <laughs> they, they like bring their time <laughs> card when they were in and out of the gym, <laughs> like they were working at a factory or something. Unbelievable, unreal. Michael Porter Jr. Oh yeah, out for the season. And I, now I saw a headline. I did not read this story, so forgive me. I saw a headline this morning that yes. he's getting back surgery. Oh my god. I don't know if you've ever heard Steve Kerr talk about this, but 
there's, I think it's on an old Simmons pod. You can hear Kerr talk about it. You know, remember when he missed all that time? He couldn't even like sit on the bench. And there were those spurts of time where like Mike Brown coached him or Luke Walton coached him. But Kerr had this horrible, horrible back issue. And he, I remember for whatever reason, this always stands out to me, him saying, I would tell everybody that is listening to this podcast, do not get back surgery unless you absolutely have to. Like he was like a advocate for this is just, and and we've seen what Tiger Woods has gone through. Um, I'm trying to think of guys that have had back surgery in the past. People I know, even in my own family, that have had yeah. back surgeries. Well, it's not one like of my they friends, were fine. Like they, I forget what afterwards. they wanted to give them, but it was like double fusion or something like that. And and it's like, eh, I'll, I'll oh. wait until it's at a point where like you got to have it, as you said, Chris. What's this guy? Twenty one, twenty two years old, and he's getting he's got nerve uh, I mean, nerve it, issue, and he's getting back surgery. Injury history. It's it's alarming, man. One of his sisters has like five torn ACLs. The other sister uh, had like a traumatic knee injury that ended her career early. Uh, Jonte Porter, his brother, has, as you know, in Memphis has suffered a long list of injuries. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. himself with the back issues, drop foot, among other issues that he's had. That family, I don't know, is it genetics? Is it diet? Is it curse? I don't know what, what it is, but Miss, well, I mean, he missed his yeah, he missed I mean, his year of Missouri there's, there's and a lack he missed of durability his here. When you think about the contract that Denver gave him, I hope this doesn't happen. But this oh. does have potential to go down as one of the worst contracts in the history of sports. If he's unable to get back on the court and be the guy that we saw last season, if he's unable to be productive or even play at all, because injuries have always been part of his life, have always been part of his family's lives. So for him here, man, in Denver, it's so funny talking about this team because on one hand, you got Nikola Jokic, who's even better than his MVP season. You got chemistry developing with a guy like Aaron Gordon. The rest of the roster is coming together. Jamal Murray will be coming back from a torn ACL. This team on paper with Michael Porter Jr. is a legitimate finals contender. But you don't have Michael Porter Jr. You don't have that X factor, that six foot ten shot maker who was so important to your team last season. So like you have the you have this extremely worry worrisome storyline happening with Porter. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you don't, don't get have, free you agents. Cap, you don't even have the cap space for that matter because you're signing investing in MPJ. So you have this extremely worrisome potential. You know, timeline happening with MPJ's contract, which could be an albatross if he's unable to stay healthy. But then you have all this good happening at the same time. It's just a, it's a weird spot to be in if you're a Nuggets fan right now. No, and you're talking about the 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 you know the more yeah, more prime years of Jokic, and theoretically, Jokic and Murray both at their apex in unison, and you've got this what twenty five thirty million dollar anvil. Yep. On the salary cap, just kick. That you get nothing out of kicks in next He's year. He's getting back surgery right now. Million. I mean, <sighs> yep, thirty million, then thirty two, then thirty five, then thirty seven, and, and and he's having like his one hundredth back surgery. You do wonder, and it hasn't been reported yet if there was anything in there. Yeah, you know, injury. Uh, I don't. I don't have these specific details on that. I'm not you sure. Hope. You would hope so. You know that happened with the. You remember the um, who was that contract? Oh, the Jonathan Isaac one. Jonathan Isaacs, right, where they kind of insured towards injury or you only get X number of dollars. Because that, that was part of the Porter one, too. Because I do remember the first number, which was almost a max level, was reported. And then it came out. He was only getting X amount guaranteed. So say it was like 150 or whatever it was guaranteed that the other stuff was incentive based right you had to play this amount of games or achieve this amount of goals become an all-star average x amount of points or but in terms of games played uh poor kid you know yeah and and for what it's worth with mpj the the details we do know 145 million dollars of it is guaranteed in that last year the contract that i said is at 39 million dollars at 39 I think twelve million of that is guaranteed. So the last year is only a partial, um, but there's like that's still a lot of guaranteed okay. money. 
for his deal. A lot of guaranteed money. No question. Joe Harris is going to get ankle surgery. So he's going to be out for quite a while uh, for that Brooklyn team. How about them uh, going with the uh, DMP CDs with Blake Griffin? The last couple of games. He had, it's he looking had, more he like had Detroit. been in the lineup. A little more of the Marcus Aldridge action, who has been mid-range monster, of course. Uh, but yeah, Joe Harris is, I mean, he's a big portion of being able to space out the floor for their outstanding players. You know, he's a, he's a big part of what they do. Just sometimes it's not just the individual stats of guys. It's the fact that you got somebody out there that has to be honored 40 feet away from the basket. And uh, Harris applies to that. You know, if you're going, if if his man is going to pinch in, they can kick out to him and he can bang down open threes. And if he doesn't, then that just creates more requisite space for Kevin Durant, who is still playing at this just incredible level. But the, I do think the Harris thing is significant, just dependent upon, you know, yeah. kind of what they do to replace him. But they're going to be out him for a couple months. It sounds like you know coming sure. back. From, and, and he's, you know, at he some elected point, to get surgery. He should return, and and hopefully he continues to shoot forty plus percent for three. In the meantime, you'll you'll see DeAndre Bembry starting games. Maybe you know you get Cam Thomas getting some more minutes off the bench. So you know the silver lining here is you get to see what some of your other guys have. Yeah, Bembry don't have to honor him thirty feet away. But maybe Cam Thomas. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Cam your guy shooting, like, I think, can like get a little run 15% here percent from three. <laughs> Exactly. Small sample. Yeah, it's a small exactly, sample. Yeah. Small sample. It's probably, it's probably taking only like twenty shots. We or know he like can that. put the ball. Yeah, yeah. He he can he can. We know we, yeah. he can put the ball in the bucket. And then we were, I was talking about you know some of these guys earlier, whether it was John Wall or Kemba Walker, and coming to terms with the fact that maybe they can extend their careers by being backups. That has been the case with Demarcus Cousins, and Demarcus Cousins just got signed again this time by the reigning NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Milwaukee, who started off the season, I believe, 6-8 and eight to start off their year. They have gone on a tear, and they are 7-0 and oh since Chris Middleton came back. And when they have had their three guys, Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis, they haven't lost a game this season. They're 9-0 and when they have had those three guys, but I do think it just speaks to they just have not had their three guys available um, it, uh, all but nine games, all of which they have won. Um, they're 4-8 and eight in the other games. So, but when they have had, uh, I think that it, you know, I think it speaks to how devastating they still can be when they have their guys, but and and that their record is probably just more indicative of some injuries rather than a, a championship hangover or whatever else. Uh, when they've had Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis, they're 9-0. And one of the things that I did wonder, though, when they signed Cousins is, you know, there's some weirdness yeah, with Lopez that back Lopez thing. Yeah. There, there's, there's concern there, which is right? why Milwaukee is signing Boogie. Um, it's re- it's really just about depth in case Brook Lopez can't get right with his back injury. That that's why they're doing this. Yeah, and I mean we just talked about uh, back issues with Porter Jr., but Lopez has been out since opening night, and then it's just a, it's an odd time to sign somebody, and so you do wonder if there was some. But like I said, it's, it's if something it's in happened, case he can't get right. So and and there was more, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. stronger feeling towards that, I suppose. Right. Yes. Like we better go find something or get what's available now. Oh yeah, Bobby. Um, I mean, like Bobby you could already Bobby really Portis good. could should mm-hmm. continue to start even when Brook Lopez returns. I mean, he's been that good. I mean, like I, I, yeah. Ideally, you. Yeah, yeah, but you've got the of course when you're yeah, playing yeah. the Jokic's and you're playing the big guys, the MBs. No you need somebody, and, and with that's where some you size. know. I mean, I'm not even sure Boogie's that answer for you either. You know, replacing Brook Lopez, but at least he has size. Yeah, no, yeah I mean, he'll, he'll play, he'll play shit hard. Out of I mean, I'm happy. Shit out of I'm happy to see Boogie get another opportunity. Uh, I hope he's able to produce here. Hasn't been so hot in his past couple of opportunities, though. No, but he, he yeah. he'll rack up fouls really quick. 
And he'll come and grab some yeah. offensive and, and, rebounds, get some putbacks. And also, I think, you know, when you're surrounded up. by, you know, some of the guys that they have on the defensive end of the floor, his own individual shortcomings maybe are, are minimized a bit. When you're playing next to a Giannis who can help clean up some mistakes, yes. it, it puts less responsibility on him to be an anchor in the paint. Uh, whereas, like, a, you know, Houston or the Clippers, uh, the last couple of years, you know, since his last injury, the torn ACL with Golden State, um, it's been all on him. So, I mean, I, I, I think I think for him, um, may, maybe it could work out. But this this is really just about in cases of emergency where if Brooke Lopez can't stay healthy, can't perform at the level he needs to. That's why they're doing this. So it's a good it's a good proactive move. Yeah, we I like got it. a major showdown. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, the only thing is, I yes, like it too. Absolutely, it just scares you on the Lopez front, which is like, yeah. oh boy, is he not going to be available for them because he has been. He's been part of a lot of winning and was certainly a big part of that championship run that they had last year. We have a possible Western Finals preview. It's possible. Certainly these two teams have separated themselves that we're going to get to see tonight, the Warriors and the Suns. So while we talked about there haven't been a tremendous amount of competitive games, it has not felt like. I am very hopeful that this one is... (laughs) As good as it can it be. It better be, man. You know, between these two teams. It better be. I know. We cannot see a non-competitive game between these two. Hopefully we do. And uh, hopefully we have a really good week uh, throughout the NBA and we stop getting this injury news because this has been a tough run over the course of the last four or five days how, how are you on feeling the about injury your Cowboys, front. Um, good. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. I'm fine. I yep. Four of the and, five and best still, players you know, on the team. Out. Well, no Amari Cooper. Like, like no CD Lamb. Two, no Demarcus Lawrence. Washington right now. I mean, you get a, you get a cushion. Yeah, yeah. You get a no cushion. Randy Gregory. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys out. Yeah, yeah. I'm still mad. That Dak Dak in that fourth quarter, mad. like Anthony he Brown he was like you know th- throwing the ball through a pinhole for you know, and then he missed that one. But he he was throwing some unbelievable passes in that fourth right. quarter last week. I'm, feel, uh, I'm feeling good about my yeah, guy, Chris. That was... Mac Jones. Mac Jones, baby. I guess you are. <laughs> you should feel good about him. He doesn't feel like a rookie. It, they, I tell you this, though. The NFL's, NFL's same way, though. It's like every time we think we know something about these teams, then the next week it's like, Wait, what? I thought they were good or I thought they stunk. It's, just, it's, it's so bizarre, truly. Every week you have these crazy results that are taking place, and especially throughout November in the NFL. As I said, there's 24 outright upsets, which is just an extreme number. And it just goes to show, like, this year, if it holds, this is going to be the biggest underdog year in the history of the NFL. Wow. That just goes to speak of not being able to get a beat uh, on these teams. Sharp discussed on your Monday show? The, on the ringer, the ringer gambling we did. show. We talked about it yesterday. That, yeah, we talked about it yesterday. They're, they're, I mean, these massive, I mean, just a inordinate amount of underdogs. I love that though. I, I, that's made the NFL season really and fun. Yeah, there's no question. It has been a very, very fun. You, I think you have like what 24 teams, maybe even 20. Well, Seattle's out of it now, so I think it's like something like 24, 25 that are still in it. I mean, because you're going to be able to get the seven, you're going to be able to get the seven yep. seed being five hundred or maybe a game below in, in the conference. NFL. The, do you do you do you believe right. in the Patriots? Yeah, Chris, are you a believer in their Super Bowl chances? I do. Oh, I mean, look, the, yeah. the AFC. There's nobody that has separated themselves. Baltimore's got issues. So, Obviously, course, no Derrick I mean, Henry be... now for Tennessee, even though their two backups had you know a couple big runs against the Patriots. Kansas City with Mahomes, you know, That's four right. in a row now. They're, they're they're still the favorite to me, Kansas City. But a lot of teams Man. have a chance, including the Patriots with their elite defense, the way Mac Jones manages the game on offense. Uh, I feel like this Patriots team can get even better over the course of the year, Chris. I'm feeling really, really good right now. I, and I'll tell you what, I think with them, they're still holding some things back with their tight ends. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. I know it might sound silly here, but I'm going back. Mike Giardi, who's always been a plugged-in Patriots reporter, 
during the offseason, he said they were using Johnny Smith in like crazy ways. You know, like it's sort of like they use Aaron Hernandez way back in the day before that fell apart. <laughs> and uh, they've done a little <laughs> Yeah, fell apart? You mean before he yes. murdered people? <laughs> <laughs> fell apart? That's the nicest way to... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Gronk and Hernandez, if only that had worked out. <laughs> well, <laughs> before that all fell before apart, that fell they're, apart. they're doing some stuff with John and Smith, getting creative. And, and I, I look forward to seeing oh, okay. what they unleashed during the playoffs with their tight ends. Belichick loves his tight ends. McDaniels loves his tight ends in the offense. So I, I, okay. Yeah. Well, get back yeah, to me they're, after they're, this they're, they're week. Gonna, we'll see how good you feel. Is it the Bills? The AFC East. Yeah. yeah. All right, there you go. I think it's the, yeah, Bills, the Bills, right? So week, then we'll find out. Then the bye. Then we'll Indianapolis. Out. Then the Bills again. So there's some tough games yeah. coming up. Oh, dude. Now, Indianapolis is good, the MVP, too. Right? That that I tell you this that game between them and the Bucks was a good yeah. football game. That it, was two really good was. teams. I, I, I it really was. That. But uh, but as usual, it's great to see Tom Brady come yeah. out on top. Those, those, yeah, those Bucks. Was, how many uh, uh, touchdowns? Was, was four, four net. Yeah, Gronk. I know it was I, Gronk I, yeah, I never, too. It was. Yeah, yeah like a hundred. Some stat that Gronk, you know, something. when he runs routes, is the highest you know uh, target percentage of all tight ends in the NFL. I mean, he's not running a lot of routes because they I'm have him sure. blocking a lot. They're maintaining him over the course of the year. But I thought that was a good stat. Well, he might have he might have some level of he yeah, might have some level bit. of chemistry with this quarterback. Might Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Hey, we do want to introduce our new producer, Jesse Lopez. Of course, yes, as you know, again. we've gotten dumped again. <laughs> We we we're like uh, who was who was the guy that had like the million marriages? Larry, Larry King. King. We're like Larry King. We just keep on. Yeah, he had like, what, like eight wives or something like that. Just, I think he had like. Just he did <laughs> have a notorious, uh, notorious yeah, no, he, lots of divorce. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. seeing that now. Yeah. Yeah, he had like one, two, three. How many? Four, five, How many was six, it total? Seven. Seven. So we are we're we're almost Larry King level in terms of producers. First one was in 1952. <laughs> Ours was not in 1952. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesse Lopez joining the show now, and Jesse, uh, we'll do like we have our last six producers, <laughs> which is promise you won't leave us. I promise I will. <laughs> we're not damaged. Leave you. We're we're damaged. Good. I, I will damaged. take it one step further and buy a ring and try to try to try to etch an M and an M in there. That way I'm no, married yes. to mismatch. That way, if anyone tries to take me off, I just show them the ring. I'm like, don't I'm do sorry, it. I'm attached. Hey, don't do it. Our uh, my, my man Tom Shady, Kyle, he got a friggin' uh one shining podcast <laughs> tattoo, and then Tate and Titus left. <laughs> <laughs> Tough scene. <laughs> yeah, no, just, I guess a ring you could just take off. You just, can throw just that don't in the gutter. You can throw that in the yeah. gutter. Yeah. Don't, don't just do don't that, spend Jesse. a lot on it. I'll hold off on that one yeah. for now. Jesse, you're you're a Lakers fan. Yes, I am indeed. I, <laughs> it's, it's a growing pain. Like I need to see what this LeBron Westbrook AD need to do. They haven't really shown me a lot, so I just it's it's a waiting game. You know, it's as a Laker fan, you know, we don't care about regular season. Just just get to the playoffs, and then you know, as long as it works in the playoffs, I'm fine by that. Should Should Frank Vogel be fired, Jesse? For starting DeAndre Jordan and Avery Bradley, should he be? Fired? Don't even get me started on that. Lakers Twitter is insane when it comes to DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore. Um, I wouldn't give so many minutes to DJ, but you know, there's a reason why I'm just your guys' producer and not an NBA head coach. Fair enough. He is Jesse Lopez. He's going to now be our producer, so you're going to be hearing him regularly as part of the show. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. I will talk to you on Friday. Looking forward to it. 